Hello, online family. My name is Matthew Malik, and I'm the lead pastor here at Refuge. We are so incredibly glad that you chose to tune in to the Refuge official podcast today. We believe the message you are about to hear will inspire you in a very meaningful way. We believe the Lord is ready and willing to do a great work in your life. And we believe that you'll hear from him today. Please enjoy. Well, living in hope, and, and we are looking in, at, in particular at Romans 15, 13. So if you have your Bibles, please turn there. We're going to read that in just a moment. Uh, we're breaking down that verse this month in this series that we're talking about living in hope. And today we're going to be talking about joy, peace, and believing. Joy, peace, in believing, okay? And how does that relate to our lives as we talk about this subject? But first of all, I just want to uh, share what is hope? We, we began last week by talking about hope, the God of hope. The Greek word in, for hope in the Bible is the word elpis. And it means a desire for some good with an expectation of obtaining it, okay? Hope is future expectation. Hope is placed in someone or in something. It can be in a person or an inanimate object. And, and for example, you know, I, I can, um, you know, you might say, I'm hoping my boss is going to give me a raise. Well, you're putting your hope in your boss to give you a raise, okay? Hopefully you're not disappointed. And hopefully that expectation is met. Or you can say, I hope my car is going to get me across town because the engine light has been on for six months. You know, so you can put your hope in a thing or in a person, okay? And so, uh, and, and this year, we really feel, and maybe you want to talk about uh, just uh, that for, for this year, just finding authentic hope, purpose, and love sure. through Jesus. I think that last year, you would probably all agree with me, was not a textbook year, right? Well, it, it was a history-making year. But it also was a year that there was a lot of discouragement for a lot of people. And yet, I thank God for his consistency in our lives. Because I can't say that there was a time that I ever lost complete hope. I can say that there was a time that I was like, okay, how are we going to figure this out? How are we going to do that? How are we going to do this? And yet, hanging on to God and really trusting him, no matter what situation was real to you, in last year, if you're hanging on to God, he really, look at you, you're all sitting here today. Right. Obviously, we made it. So thank you, Jesus. That's right. But that's why we want to continue with all that's in front of us, all the change, all those kinds of things, and knowing that God gives us hope. He brings hope to our lives. But you're not going to have hope if you're not in his word. You're not going to have hope if you're not around other believers who encourage you in your hope. So we're going to give you tools today to know how to hang on to hope as well. Living in hope is our theme for 2021. And if you have your place in Romans 15, 13, uh, we'll read that. Realize that most people refer to God as a God of love. But in this passage, we see the Bible declares him to be the God of hope. So let's look at it. Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. 
Now, again, we realize that God is the author of hope. And by his design, he created human beings to be creatures of hope. What sustains man in the midst of trouble and disappointment in this world and in his present life is hope. And last week, we identified a problem that challenges humanity, and that's this thing called hopelessness. Hopelessness is an enemy to mankind, and that's what we're attacking this year through this theme and through this declaration of the God of hope. Hopelessness has caused the defeat of uh, many, and it's caused failure and even death. And so we're going to break the curse of hopelessness uh, as the best that we can with God's help. Amen. That's right. You know, and again, when we talked about why we chose this scripture, every year Pastor Matt and I take time and we pray and seek the Lord for the following year. And so this scripture was one that just rang loud in our ears because it's such a progressive scripture. When we look at at um, Romans fifteen thirteen, it says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. If we don't believe, we might not have joy and peace. So think about that. Think about that for your life. What are areas that you need, that you know you need to hang on to God and believe and trust him? And that, that takes an effort, <clears throat> excuse me, a personal effort to be intentional about trusting him. So when we think about hope, we're really looking to the future, right? I hope in what's to come. And I love the scripture in Jeremiah 29, 11. It says, for I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster to give you a future and a hope. No matter what you're going through today, guys, <laughs> ladies, we can have hope because there's a future that God has for us. Hope will truly impact your belief system. And without hope, then your belief system is going to be negative, it'll be bleak, and it will bring you into a place of, of defeat. But I, we want, we're going to break this down into three parts here. The first is, point number one, it's a question, how does God fill us with all joy? Okay, how does that happen? Well, James chapter 1, if you want to look at that with us, starting at verse 2, we're going to read this from the New Living Translation. It says, Dear brothers and sisters, when trouble of any kind comes your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Now, that goes against our thinking very often. If trouble comes, how can that be an opportunity for great joy? Well, you need to think of it in this context, that it's a situation that when you allow God in that midst of trouble, he will bring about a great and tremendous victory. And so it's, it's seeing beyond the trouble and knowing that God's going to do something significant to make a difference in your life. It goes on in verse 3, it says, for you know that when your faith is tested, Ooh. how many of you like tests? I hated that in college. I hated that in school. I dreaded test day. The pressure, the anxiety, and all that went on with that. But you know, in this life, we will be tested. 
Because God gives assignments. And no one, he gets assignment, gives out assignments. Eventually, there's going to be a test, right? And so uh, it goes on to say, when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. In other words, you come out stronger than when you went in before the test, before the trouble. And verse 4 says, so let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. So when troubles and tests come, that's an opportunity for God to perfect us, to bring us to a place of completion in our walk with God so that we will be able to fulfill what he's called us to do. And I can remember just a personal test. I'll try to be real brief with this. A number of years ago, when we were building the training center, which houses Stevens Point Christian Academy, the um, octagon building that's just behind us, uh, we were at a place because we had negotiated with the builder that this is a project we are building debt-free. And we had a goal to put the roof on and then close it before the winter. I think that was back in 1994, maybe. Yeah, she can check up to make sure I'm, I'm right my date. But we were getting ready to enclose it. And so the cost to put the roof on and the framing and the decking and, and all that on the roof was $27,000. And we were believing God as the money came in, we were building. We did not finance the project. We were building debt free. And so I was spending a lot of time on that site, walking and praying. And I can remember facing this. We, we had an we opportunity. Okay, we need to order the materials. We'll have six weeks before the bill comes due to pay $27,000 $27, bill. And so I'm out there praying, okay, yeah, we're going to do this. We need to get this thing enclosed before winter. So one week, two weeks, three weeks, money's trickling in. We're not seeing anything significant. We get right down to the wire. And I'm out there. I said, Lord, this is the reputation of this ministry, our credibility. We need a breakthrough. We need a breakthrough. And, you know, sometimes a breakthrough may come in a different way than you know. But I'm crying out to God, and this is the midst of trouble. But yet I got to a place where I began to worship and praise God, thanking him. I had so much joy welling up inside of me. I didn't know how it was going to happen, but I knew God was going to do something significant to make this happen. And now guess what? Six weeks expired, and we were still about probably ten or $12,000 short. And we were thankful what came in, and so we couldn't pay the bill on time. And I'm thinking, oh, God, what, what is this going to do? But guess what? God gave us favor with the supplier, and he extended that time. And, and we told him that everything that comes in is going to go directly to you. And they, actually, within a couple of weeks, it was completely paid for and there was a man who was an accountant. He was working in the accounting department of that supply company. And he saw the letter, and, and they're, they're now past due. And what kind of church is that? What kind of ministry do they have? And so we, you know, communicated with them. That money came in. And that man actually came to church, became a member because of, of the witness of what was accomplished in the miracle of that provision. And so, yeah. That's just, I could go on, but I don't oh, want to take too much time. Lots of stories. I know, I have lots of stories. <laughs> it's a good thing. So, now, let me just say this. Joy is something you can lose. Joy is something God can restore. Psalms 51 verse 12 says, Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Have you lost your joy? Well, God can restore it. 
How do we get joy? Well, joy is actually found. It's found in God's presence. The scripture says in Psalm 1611, in my presence is fullness of joy. In his presence. So get in his presence. You're going to encounter joy and be filled with God's joy. Joy is delighting in God's word. Psalms 119 verse 111 says, Your written instructions are mine forever. They are the joy of my heart. That's God's word, God's word translation. Your written instructions are mine forever. They are the joy of my heart. Spend time in the word and you'll get joy. Joy is found in answered prayer. John 16, 24, Jesus states, Until now you have asked me nothing in my name. You've asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. See, Jesus wants you to have full joy, fullness of joy. See, there's something different. There's a difference actually between joy and happiness. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit. It's internal. Galatians 5.22 so it's something that's already in you because of the Spirit of God that dwells in you. And so joy is an internal strength that we can tap into in difficult times. Happiness happens to do with what's happening around you. It's, it's circumstances around you that give happiness. But we don't need happiness. We need joy because joy is what sustains. Deb, why don't you take point number two? So point number two is how do we receive peace no matter what circumstance we're in? There are some people, when situations arise, that they're reactors, and some people are responders. Like, you don't have to raise your hand which one you are, <laughs> but why don't you locate yourself? You get bad news. What do you do automatically? Do you blow up? Do you freak out? Or do you, you know what? I'm going to get through this. God's going to help me through this. <clears throat> if you blow up and freak out... <laughs> That's a reactor. But God wants us to be in a place where we respond when things go on around us. Or we can be like, you know what? This wouldn't be my choice, but I'm going to make it through this. I have God's peace because he's living in my heart. John 14, 27 says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give you or give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. There's a lot packed into that scripture, isn't there? We don't have to be troubled. We don't have to be afraid. Again, no matter what we're facing, we can have God's peace. When I think about the different things that might ruffle our feathers, you know, or cause us to react instead of respond, there are things that are peace robbers in our lives. So think about the things for a minute that rob your peace. And we came up with a list of a few things that I think are pretty common. First of all, worry. We worry about what's going to happen tomorrow. We worry about what are the kids going to wear? How am I going to get that homework done? Because now we have a lot of teachers at home, right? <laughs> which didn't sign up for that. I enrolled my children in school for a reason, and now I'm teaching them at home. That could cause you to worry. I want to make sure that they're learning what they're supposed to learn. I want to make sure that I'm pouring into their lives what's supposed to happen. Like, that's a big one today. We worry about things like, 
what am I going to do for dinner if you're somebody who has to have a planned meal kind of thing? That's, that's kind of frivolous, but, <laughs> you know, I think in the political arena, that's, that worries people, that concerns people. That's where we can have peace because our trust is in God. Right. No matter what, we trust God. And I, I'm thankful for that. And then there's another thing called fear. How many of you have dealt with fear in your life? You know, fear is something that can just grip you. Sometimes, um, not so much lately, but years ago, I used to spend lots of time here working at night and projects to get done and probably more so before we were married. But, um, you know, this is a big building at night, right? <laughs> and so I, you know, would be there, be in there working and then it was time to leave. And I can actually remember times leaving at night. Now, sorry for those of you who work here and have to leave at night. I don't want to put any weird thoughts in your head. <laughs> but I would be like, oh, my gosh, I have to get out the door. I have to set the combination. What is my combination again? Ah! Good thing it was the same for 30 years, you know. <laughs> but um, then get out to my car, and hopefully nobody's in the back of my car. And, oh, my gosh, that's just foolish, isn't it? I'm worrying and freaking out. Well, I wasn't really freaking out because, you know, I have total peace. But, <laughs> right. um, you know, fear about nothing. There was nothing there. But it's where our minds go. So take control of That's your right. mind. Another thing is shame. Shame is something that really grips and steals peace. I made bad choices. You know, if I would have done this, then this would have happened. If I wouldn't have done this, then this would have happened. You know what about shame? <laughs> There's nothing you can do to change where you are today. But from today on, you can move forward. You can make different choices. You can have a life, live a life that's pleasing to God. You won't have to have regrets. I can say that in my life right now, the only regrets I have is not spending enough time with people. Because <laughs> I want to spend time with everybody. But I don't have regrets for my day-to-day -day living. Shame is something that Jesus took from us. He bore that in his redemptive work. So you don't have to carry shame in your life anymore. Give it to God. Let him take that from you. Yeah, and shame and regret, regret is the next one, really go hand in hand a lot of times. You know, we regret having made this choice. We regret having maybe not gone to college when I was younger. Like, I regretted that. <laughs> because I took college classes that I need for um, we have the childcare here and for early learning, I had all the classes that I need to be a childcare director for a childcare our size. And then guess what they did? I'm like 45 years old, even though that was, you know, 45 years old and I have to take 18 more college credits. Like, did I want to sign up for that? Nope. <laughs> and that was a time that my children were in school. They were in high school and grade school. I didn't care about my education anymore, to be honest with you. My concern was for them. So they'd go to bed at night, and guess what I'd do? Work on my schoolwork. <laughs> and so um, that was something. I regretted not doing the full, full coursework back when I was a lot younger. So, but I did it. So praise God, it's done. It's over and done. <laughs> Another regret can be busyness. We regret not spending time with people that we want to spend time with because we pack our schedule with way too much stuff. 
you know, evaluate your life. Evaluate what's priority, what's important to you. So you can have that peace. We can't do everything, right? Are you the person, I'll sign up for that, I'll do that, I'll do that. You can't do everything. And so ask God, God, what do you really want me doing? What do you really have for my purpose in my life? So again, those are some of the peace robbers. And the solution, I believe, don't put God in the back seat. Put him back on the throne where he belongs. Let him lead and guide you. And then you're not going to have all that turmoil and and messiness that we can invite into our lives. I think that, um, whoops, with, with the whole peace, you know, when you're around different people, I know that for me there's people I can be around and I just sense peace. And there's people that I can be around and I'm like, and I'm like, okay, <laughs> guess guess they need more of me in their life or the Jesus in me in their life. Because again, we can have peace because of the God in us. And so a lot of peace that we get, I know there's times for my husband, are you a reactor or responder? It depends. Usually, initially, I tend to react to a situation. But very quickly, I calm down. I mean, I might walk into a room, I might see something out of order, and say, what's going on here? You know, but then I'm okay. I Forgive me for reacting. Or a mark on the wall in the house, you know, things like that. Well, you know. <laughs> but, but really, the years I've gotten better. you have gotten better. Mm-hmm. We have grandchildren. They can color up the walls. They can yeah. do whatever they want, right? Yeah. <laughs> but again, you know, peace is something that can be robbed from us. And so for us to know that God gives us that consistent peace. I like to define peace as undisturbed composure. That you can keep your composure regardless of the circumstance, whether things are going good, bad, or ugly, you are able to maintain your composure in the midst of it. Uh, peace is the absence of, of war, okay, or conflict. So you know when Pastor Matt at home, when he would freak out a little when I thought he shouldn't, I'd say, oh, come on, great man of faith and power. You know, that would help him a little. Yeah. Calm him right down, right? <laughs> you going to tell him about the microwave? Oh, you can tell the microwave story. Real quick. Okay, this little rabbit trail. But uh, we needed to have a microwave service, and it's a built-in. So we called Furniture Appliance. They came out, and uh, they replaced the part, and... So then Deb told me the bill was... Well, first of all, I was home, and I do not like coming... I don't, I don't like any repairman coming to my house when I'm home because I don't know anything about it. So they can tell me anything. So that was number one. That took my peace away, but I was good. They gave me the bill, and it was 356 And so what was it? It was six-something. Oh, well, then you tell the story. Okay. <laughs> yeah. It was six something, like six oh nine. And when and she called I'm on the phone talking to her, I said, What? Six hundred and nine dollars? We could have bought a new microwave for that. Why would you let them fix I it? I said, That's crazy. And I was I was upset. How many of you would be upset? <laughs> okay. So I'm not the only one, I I know. Uh, it was $6.09 for the part. 
That's all it was. And then because we had this service plan, that's all it cost because we had this service plan uh, back then. $6.09. And I, I, I got upset and lost the victory over $6.09. <laughs> but I thought it was $609. So anyway. Right. I would not have paid $609. I'm always for a deal. We'd never, never buy one for that. <laughs> okay. And then, you know, when we think again about the choices that we make that, that allow us to lose peace, really then it's being led by our flesh. It's not being led by the Spirit of God. Romans 8, 6, it says, The mind governed by the flesh is death but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. Oh, that's such a great passage, isn't it, Deb? Let's look at point number three, and I want to read Romans 15, 13 again to you. Again, it says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy. We talked about that. And peace. Talked about that. In believing so that you may, or so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. So let's talk about in, in believing for a moment. Really, it's what are we believing? What are we believing? Believing is to accept something as true. It is directing or exercising your faith. It's the directing or the exercising of your faith. That's what believing is. The word believing in the Greek means to affirm. It's a firm conviction to have confidence or to entrust. It can be used of persuading oneself. That's the human aspect of believing. Or of being persuaded by the Lord. That's the faith-believing aspect. To sum it up, the outcome of joy and peace working in our lives results in a strong belief in God. Okay, A quote by uh, Ellicott Commentary of English Readers states, hope, joy, and peace form a triad which represents the attitude of the Christian in looking towards the future. I believe that's so, so significant. Psalms 31, 24, I love this. It says, so be strong and courageous, all you who put your hope in the Lord. So those who put the hope in the Lord are really charged or encouraged to take on that strength and courage that only God can give. And I want to, uh, as we bring this to end, we want to talk about hope as an anchor. How many of you know what an anchor does? An uh, anchor, if you have a boat and you don't have an anchor, you tend, when you shut the motor off, you just tend to drift. And you really are drifting, and sometimes you don't know where you're drifting to or from until you, you know, realize, oh, we're really drifted off the course here. But hope is an anchor, and we see that in Hebrews chapter 6, starting at verse 18. It says, so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we have fled for refuge, might have, those who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us holding fast to the hope set before us. Verse 19. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, 
a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain. Now, just to explain this passage a little bit, hope is the anchor of your soul. Because very often your mind, the soul is the mind. It's where you think. It's where you process your thoughts. It's uh, that area that sometimes gets you messed up, your mind. Okay, we deal with our mind. It needs to be renewed to the Word of God. Well, God gives us hope, which provides an anchor to keep our mind in place, to keep our soul in place, so that we don't drift off this way or that way. And God wants that anchor to be firmly fixed so that you don't drift in life, so you don't go off course for what God has for you. And this, this scripture also talks about the two unchangeable things. And the two unchangeable things about God is that he does not change and he does not lie. And that's where we can place our anchor on those two unchangeable truths. That God doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he does not lie. What he said is true. What he's promised is true for you. And and so it's understanding that that anchor fixed is the hope that is set before us to keep us in the place that God wants us to be so we don't drift this way or that way. At this time, we want to extend an invitation. Maybe for those of you that don't know Jesus, maybe for those of you that don't have the anchor of the soul, that hope fixed in place that will keep you from drifting off course or going into places that could be dangerous in your life. I can remember one time fishing and um, I stopped the boat, sitting out there in the boat and realizing that the place we were, we drifted in a place that maybe wasn't so safe and realizing that that sometimes is what happens in our life without hope. We tend to drift. We tend to get off course. And sometimes we can drift into troubled waters and be consumed or engulfed on, on, on what is negative around us. This morning, I want to extend to you an invitation to receive Jesus if you don't know the Lord as your personal Savior, if you've never made a commitment to Him, if you've never entrusted your life to Him. Because today we have an opportunity to fix our trust in Him, to place our hope in Him. John 8, 36 tells us that if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. And I want you to know that there's freedom for whatever bondage that may have gripped your life. Sin is a bondage. Sin holds us in the place of imprisonment. And we can't break free without Jesus. Jesus is the only one that can set us free. He's the only one that can bring freedom. In 1 Peter, it talks about being born again to a living hope having a personal encounter with Jesus that brings us into a vital relationship with him. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, I've never really committed my life to Christ, I know right now that I need him. And if you want to take a step and say, Lord, I open my heart to you. I want to put my faith in you. I want to acknowledge you as my Lord and Savior. I'm willing to repent and turn from my sins. I'm willing to give my life to you. Lord, I'm willing to receive what you have for me. 
I acknowledge that I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. I acknowledge that my life is, is broken, it's lost. You may not have a hope. You may not have a future expectation. Jesus can give you that today. He truly can. With every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody looking around right now, I want you to consider this. You say, Pastor, I know my life is not right with God. But I'm willing to surrender today, right here, right now. And if you tuned in online this morning, right where you're at, are you willing to surrender? Are you willing to acknowledge that you need Jesus? That you need his forgiveness? That you need his help? For those of you in this auditorium, if you say, Pastor, would you pray for me? I'm willing right now to surrender my life to Jesus Christ and commit my life to him. I want you just to slip up your hand. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. The others, thank you. Let's stand up together. We're going to pray what I call a believer's prayer. And a believer's prayer is simply to affirm and acknowledge Jesus. To receive forgiveness of sins and to declare him to be the Lord of your life. And that can be a point of change and transformation for you. The moment you open your heart to Jesus, he will accept that invitation and he will come and make his dwelling in your heart. So let's pray this prayer together. And for those of you that are believers, praying this prayer only affirms the faith and trust that you have in Jesus. We call this a believer's prayer. Repeat after me, Heavenly Father. Heavenly Father I open my heart to you today. And I surrender. I give my life to you. I give my heart to you. Jesus, I believe you died for my sins. I believe you were raised from the dead to give me life. Forgive me of my sins. I repent. I give my heart to you. I declare you to be the Lord of my life. I receive you now. Make my life what you want it to be. And Heavenly Father, I just pray for those that raise their hands. Father, as we encounter you, as we, by faith, receive you as our Lord and Savior, we thank you for the work of the new birth, that we can be born again to a living hope, that we no longer have to be without hope in this world. In Jesus' name we pray. So today we're also going to pray as we ask Jesus to fill our hearts with his hope that from this day forward as we walk out these doors today that our hope is being renewed our hope is being restored God's word says in Psalms 33 20 to 22 it says we put our hope in the Lord he is our help and our shield in him our hearts rejoice for we trust in his holy name let your unfailing love surround us Lord for our hope is in you alone. Father, we pray today 
I thank you, God, for every person sitting in this auditorium and those joining us online. I thank you, God, that today we put our hope and our trust and our faith in you in a different way so that, God, there's a difference in our rest of our day and our tomorrow and our future because our trust and hope, we intentionally put our hope in you, Father, no matter what we're facing, no matter what we've been through. We thank you, God, that we can rejoice because our hope is in you. So in Jesus' name, we thank you, Father, that our hope is in you, in Jesus' name. Amen. Maybe you've heard the song or the statement, in Christ alone, my hope is found. And we believe that you found hope today. We, play, we believe your hope has been renewed today. It's been a privilege to have Deb share this message with me. We want to thank you for your attentiveness. And as we close this song, uh, in a, with a song, Katie is going to share a few words about this song. And so continue to stand as we worship him. The prayer team will be available for you when we dismiss as well. Uh, pray for those that raise their hand to respond to the altar call. Or if you have any other need here today, we're here to pray with you and for you. God bless you. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you so much again for tuning in to the Refuge Official Podcast. We hope that this message spoke to you in a very meaningful way and that you were able to receive from the Lord today. If you chose to give your life to Jesus today or would like to find more of our content, we would love for you to get connected with us on our website at wearerefuge.net. Be blessed and have an amazing week.